will descend down through my line. Each talent comes at a great price. It is ever thus with power. The first talent fills the mind with a rising tide of restlessness that cannot be assuaged by endless hours in the laboratory, or soothed with strong drink or the milk of the poppy. The second talent is accompanied by dark dreams and terrible visions. The third talent is the most powerful and the most dangerous. If the key is not turned properly in the lock, this last psychical ability will prove lethal, bringing on first insanity and then death. Grave risk attends the onset of the third and final power. Those of my line who would survive must find the burning lamp and a woman who can work dreamlight energy. Only she can turn the key in the lock that opens the door to the last talent. Only such a female can halt or reverse the transformation once it has begun. But beware. Women of power can prove treacherous. I know this now to my great cost. From the Journal of Nicholas Winters, April 17, 1694. It is done, my last and greatest creation. The midnight crystal is finished. I have set it into the lamp together with the other crystals. It is a most astonishing stone. I have sealed great forces within it, but even I, who forged it, cannot begin to guess at all of its properties, nor do I know how its light can be unleashed. That discovery must be left to one of the heirs of my blood. But of this much I am certain. The one who controls the light of the midnight crystal will be the agent of my revenge, for I have infused the stone with a psychical command stronger than any act of magic or sorcery. The radiation of the crystal will compel the man who wields its power to destroy the descendants of Sylvester Jones. Vengeance will be mine. Prologue London, late in the reign of Queen Victoria. It took Adelaide Pine almost 48 hours to realize that the Roasted Academy was not an exclusive school for orphaned young ladies. It was a brothel. By then it was too late. She had been sold to the frightening man known only as Mr. Smith. The chamber of pleasure was in deep shadow, lit only by a single candle. The flames sparked and flared on the cream-colored satin drapery that billowed down from the wrought-iron frame above the canopied bed. In the pale glow, the crimson rose petals scattered across the snowy white quilt looked like small pools of blood. Adelaide huddled in the darkened confines of the wardrobe, all her senses heightened by dread. Through the crack between the doors, she could see only a narrow slice of the room. Smith entered the chamber. He barely glanced at the heavily draped bed. Locking the door immediately, he set his hat and a black satchel on the table, looking for all the world as though he were a doctor who had been summoned to attend a patient. In spite of her heart-pounding fear, something about the satchel distracted Adelaide, 
riveting her attention. Dreamlight leaked out of the black bag. She could scarcely believe her senses. Great powerful currents of ominous energy seeped through the leather. She had the unnerving impression, but it was calling to her in a thousand different ways. But that was impossible. There was no time to contemplate the mystery. Her circumstances had just become far more desperate. Her plan, such as it was, had hinged on the assumption that she would be dealing with one of Mrs. Ross's usual clients, an inebriated gentleman in a state of lust who possessed no significant degree of psychical talent. It had become obvious during the past two days that sexual desire tended to focus the average gentleman's brain in a way that, temporarily at least, obliterated his common sense and reduced the level of his intelligence. She had intended to take advantage.